and welcome to Bun Bun Storytime, the podcast where I tell stories to listeners. In today's episode, I'll continue on my Greek mythology series where I left off. Let's find out about the other famous godly twin, and find out why she unleashed the death pig. So join me as I hop in. Artemis Unleashes the Death Pig So, Artemis was the firstborn of her and her twin brother Apollo. And my guess is that she was anxious to get out and stop listening to her brother's constant singing in the womb. Once she was born, she immediately grew to be the size of a six-year-old, then looked around at the other goddesses who had assembled to help their mom, Leto. Right, Artemis said. I'll assist in my brother's delivery. He's gonna be a real pain. Boil some hot water. Rip up some sheets. I'll scrub up. And just like that, Artemis helped deliver her own twin brother. From that point on, she became a goddess of childbirth, the protector of newborn babies and young children. Of course, sharing those duties with Ilithia. Once Apollo was born, and singing and dancing and talking about how great he was, Artemis just stepped back and rolled her eyes. Ugh, he's always like this, she confided to Hestia. Seven months in the womb, and he just would not shut up. Hestia smiled kindly. And you, dear? Do you sing and dance as well? Mm. No, not really. But I do have plans. Could you take me to see my dad? So, while Apollo was busy singing on the island of Delos with Leto, Artemis was whisked away by Hestia to Mount Olympus, where her father Zeus was sitting on his throne listening to the wind gods have their weekly report on the cloud formations. Frankly, Zeus was really happy for the distraction. Hey, look! Zeus said, interrupting the South Wind's PowerPoint presentation on low-pressure zones. It's Hestia, and I think that's a kid. Come on in. Hestia stepped into the throne room, leading Artemis by the hand. Lord Zeus, this is your new daughter, Artemis. We can come back if you're busy. Busy? Zeus cleared his throat. Uh, hmm. No, no. They are important things, weather reports. But darn it, they'll just have to wait. He shooed away the wind gods and held out his arms to Artemis. Come to Papa, little one. Let's take a look at you. Artemis wore a simple knee-length chiton. A sort of a t-shirt dress tied with a cord at the waist. She had shoulder-length raven black hair and strikingly beautiful silver-gray eyes. I use the word strikingly because you got the feeling those eyes could strike you dead if Artemis got angry. She was less than a day old, but she already looked like she was in elementary school. Even for a nine or ten-year-old, she would have been really tall. She could have totally dominated any basketball team. As she approached the throne... She gave Zeus a brilliant smile that melted his heart. Daddy. She threw herself into his arms. 
I love you. I love you. You're the best daddy ever. So Artemis is known for not really liking guys that much. But she knew exactly how to wrap her father around her little finger. Zeus chuckled. <laughs> well, shock me, silly. You are the cutest little goddess I've ever seen. Tell Daddy Zeus what you want for your birthday present, honey cakes. And it's all yours. Artemis batted her eyelashes. Anything? Anything! I promise on the river sticks. Boom. Those were the magic words. You'd think the gods would have been smarter about making rash promises on the river sticks, but Zeus never seemed to learn. Now he would have to give Artemis whatever she wanted. Now, some girls might have asked for a pony, or a new phone, or a shopping spree. Some might have asked for front row tickets to the hottest boy band concert. Or a date with the hottest celebrity. Artemis didn't care about any of that. She knew exactly what she wanted. Maybe it was because her mom, Leto, had been on the move so much while she tried to give birth, wandering from island to island. Maybe it was because the snake python had almost devoured Leto before the twins could be born. Whatever the case was, Artemis had a restless spirit. She wanted to roam the world and hunt dangerous creatures. And she definitely never wanted to get pregnant. She'd seen how much trouble that had brought her mom. Artemis was happy assisting with deliveries, but she never wanted to go through that herself. Hey, let me be a maiden forever, Dad. Artemis said, twirling her finger in Zeus's beard. I don't ever want to get married. I want a bow and arrows. Wait, wait, no. You know what? Forget that. If you gave me the bow and arrows, they may not be the best quality. I'll go see the Cyclopes and get them to custom make my weapons. But you can grant me a bunch of followers. Ocean nymphs, river nymphs, wood nymphs. What the heck? How about mortal girls, too? Any girls who want to join me can become my followers. As long as they remain maidens like me. They should probably make the decision when they're about, oh, nine years old or so. Before they get interested in boys. Because after that, they'll be all distracted and not really much use to me. I think we can start with about 80 followers. That sound all right? We'll see how that goes. They can hunt with me, clean my kills, take care of my hunting dogs. Oh, that reminds me. I want hunting dogs. She took a deep breath. I also want the right to hunt any dangerous animals anywhere in the world. I want all mountains to be sacred to me. Because that's where I'll spend most of my time. You know, out in the wilderness, that kind of thing. As far as cities go, I don't know. Just pick any old city to be my special place. I'll only visit towns when the women need my help with childbirth, or when the little kids need a protector. She smiled up at Zeus with her big silvery eyes. And, yeah, I think that's about it. Zeus blinked, momentarily stunned. Then he burst out laughing. <laughs> You're my daughter, all right. You think big. He kissed Artemis's forehead and set her on her feet. You know, 
when I have children like you, it's totally worth dealing with Hera's wrath. I'll give you everything you asked for, my sweet. Not only that, I'll give you lots of cities. I have a feeling you're going to be very popular. Zeus was right. Artemis was worshipped by all kinds of people. Pregnant women, little kids, parents, young maidens who wanted protection from really gross guys, and of course, anyone who hunted. Which, back then, there were a lot of folks. Guy or girl, if you hunted, Artemis was on your side. As long as you didn't trash up the wilderness, and you actually used what you killed. But she was also the goddess of wild animals. So if you went crazy and killed too many animals for no good reason, then Artemis might have a few choice words to say to you. After talking with Zeus, Artemis went to see the Cyclopes, who were working at one of Hephaestus's forges on the island of Lepera. She got them to make her a very special silver hunting bow and a quiver full of enchanted gold and silver arrows. Then she went to visit Pan, the satyr god of the wild. She adopted his best wild dogs for her hunting pack. Some were black and white, some were reddish, some had spots like Dalmatians, but they were all fierce. They ran faster than the wind, and each one was strong enough to pull down a full-grown lion. Imagine what they could do as a pack. Next, Artemis assembled her group of followers. It wasn't hard. A lot of nymphs and mortal girls liked the idea of living free in the wilderness, never having to worry about getting married. You might be thinking, oh, but I want to get married someday. Yeah, but back then, most girls didn't get to pick who they married. Your dad just said, hey, go marry that guy. He offered me the biggest stuff. It didn't matter if the dude was old, ugly, or smelled like month-old cheese. You had no choice but to marry the guy. If you were a follower of Artemis, you never had to deal with that. They also never had to look over their shoulders, wondering if some lovesick god was going to ambush them. Artemis's hunters were off-limits, strictly. Anybody who tried to kidnap them or flirt with them would find themselves on the wrong side of Artemis's silver bow. Early on, Artemis realized that she would be traveling long distances and moving quickly, sometimes more quickly than even a goddess could move on foot. She decided it would be a good idea to get a chariot. She just wasn't sure what type of animals should pull it. Horses were Poseidon's thing. Besides, they were domesticated. Artemis wanted something wild and fast. Then one day she spotted a herd of deer. Not just any old herd of deer. These herd of deer included five huge hinds, adult females the size of bulls, with hooves and antlers that were made of solid gold. How did Artemis know that it was real gold and not just painted to look like gold? Well, she was the goddess of wild animals. She could just tell. She turned to her followers and whispered, Those noble deer could be awesome pulling my chariot. These will be our first big capture, ladies. Now, Artemis preferred not to kill harmless animals like deer. Mostly, she just killed animals that hurt humans, like bears or lions or enraged badgers. 
but she had lots of clever ways to catch animals without hurting them. Artemis now had everything that she needed. Her weapons, her followers, her hunting dogs, and her chariot pulled by magical hinds with 14 carat horns. The goddess spent her time roaming the mountains, hunting monsters, punishing anyone who was needlessly so cruel to animals or didn't respect the wilderness. Occasionally, she would pop into town to check on the children, help mothers give birth, and maybe do a little recruiting among the young girls who might want to join the hunt. In some ways, she and her brother Apollo were very much alike. They were both freakishly good archers. While Artemis was the protector of young maidens, Apollo was the protector of young men. Both had healing powers. Both could punish disrespectful mortals with a sudden death arrow or a horrible plague. Later on, Artemis would become known as the goddess of the moon, taking over from the titan Selene, the same way Apollo took over from Helios, the titan of the sun. Sometimes you'll see Artemis with a silvery crescent-shaped emblem on her headband. That could either mean she's the moon goddess, or that she has a boomerang duct-taped to her forehead. We'll go with the first option. In other ways, Artemis was totally different from her brother. Apollo dated everybody. Artemis had no time for that nonsense. She was absolutely immune to love magic. Where Apollo liked to make music, Artemis preferred the sounds of the crickets at night, the crackle of the campfire, the hooting of owls, and the gurgling of rivers. Apollo liked to draw attention to himself. Artemis preferred to slip away into the wilderness and be left alone with just her followers. Her symbols? No surprise. The bow, the deer, and sometimes the crescent moon. Artemis was popular all over Greece, but her biggest temple was in the city of Ephesus in Asia Minor. The Amazons founded the place, which makes a lot of sense. A nation of women warriors? Oh, they totally got what Artemis was about. Sure, Artemis was mostly into hunting, but she was an excellent warrior when she had to be. For instance, when those giant twins, the Alidite, attacked Olympus, stacking up mountains to make a big siege tower, well, it was Artemis who took them down. Hey listeners, I have a big ask of you. Between the editing, reading chapters, revising those chapters into my own words, and distributing the podcast between seven platforms, this podcast takes a lot of time, effort, and resources to share three to four days a week. I'm beyond humbled and grateful for the listeners and sponsorships I've gained in just a short amount of time, and the many messages telling me that this podcast is used as a bedtime story or that it just brightens your week up, has been such a compliment. I'd like to keep doing this for as long as I can, while bringing future specialized episodes and making my own stories from suggested themes from listeners like you. One way to accomplish this is by direct listener support. Your support will help the show to grow and reach many more fellow story lovers. If you'd like to support the show you can go to anchor.fm forward slash B-U-N dash B-U-N. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash bun dash bun. 
You can contribute as little as 99 cents a month if you'd like. As always, thank you for listening to Bun Bun Storytime. See, it happened like this. After Ares, the god of war, got sprung from that bronze jar, the twin giants started bragging about how they were going to take over Olympus and make the gods their slaves. Ephialtes wanted Hera for his wife. Otis wanted to force Artemis to marry him. When word of that got back to Artemis, she said, Okay, those two need to die now. Maybe she could have taken them down from a distance with her bow, but she wanted to get up close and personal so that she could see the pain on their faces. She charged down the mountain and harassed them with arrows, shooting them in the legs, the hands, and some very sensitive places. The twin giants tried to impale her with their massive spears, but she was too fast. Finally, she ran between the giants. They both stabbed at her, but she dodged at the last second, and the giants skewered each other. Giants killed. Problem solved. Most of the time, though, Artemis let wild animals do the killing for her. Like this one time in the Greek city of Caledon, this dude, King Oenius, forgot to make the proper offerings to Artemis. Ooh, bad idea. The Caledonians were supposed to offer the first fruits of their labors to the gods. It was harvest time. They poured out olive oil for Athena. They burned some grain for Demeter. They sacrificed fish sticks with tartar sauce for Poseidon. But they forgot all about Artemis. All she wanted was a few apples from the orchards. She would have even settled for lemons. But her altar remained empty. Okay, she grumbled to herself. I might be dishonored, but I won't be unavenged. She summoned the most ferocious pig in the history of pigs. This wild boar was the size of a rhinoceros. His eyes were blood red and blazed with fire. His still thick hide was covered with bristles as rigid as spear shafts. So even if he just brushed up against you, he would shred you like a brisket. His mouth shot lightning and sour clouds of acid, withering and burning anything in his path. He was, in short, the death pig. Artemis unleashed him on the fields of Caledonia, where he uprooted all the orchards, trampled the fields, and killed all the animals, farmers, and any soldiers stupid enough to try to fight him. At this point, King Oenius was really wishing he'd given Artemis some apples. He turned to his son Meleager and said, You're the best boar hunter in the kingdom, my son. What should we do? Why, we should just hunt the boar, said Meliager. Artemis is the goddess of hunting, right? The only way she'll forgive us is if we launch the biggest and most dangerous hunt in history. If we bring down the boar with bravery and skill, surely she'll forgive us. King Oenius frowned. Or... She might get even angrier. Besides, you can't possibly kill that monster by yourself. Not by myself, Meliator agreed. I'll summon the best hunters in all of Greece. The king spread the word and offered rewards. Pretty soon, hunters from all over the world flocked to Caledon. They put on the first annual, and hopefully last annual, Caledonian boar hunt. Oh, but Artemis didn't make it easy on them. One guy named Mopsos 
who was the strongest spear thrower in Greece, launched his spear at the boar with enough force to crack a bronze shield. Artemis caused the point of the spear to fall off in mid-flight. The spear shaft just bounced harmlessly off the monster. Another hunter named Ancaios laughed at him. <laughs> That's no way to fight the death pig. Watch and learn. He hefted his double-bladed axe. I'll show you how a real man fights. This girly goddess's boar is no match for me. He charged in, raising his axe above his head, and the boar rammed his tusk straight into Ankyos's crotch. He died, and of course he was remembered forever as the crotchless warrior. Finally, Prince Meliager himself slew the boar with a lot of help from his friends. That was brave and all, but Artemis still wasn't satisfied. She filled the other hunters with envy. Meliager skinned the boar and hung its hide on the palace as a grand prize of the hunt, but fighting broke out over who really deserved credit for the kill. The argument turned into a full-scale civil war. Hundreds of people died, all because the king forgot to give Artemis some fruit. So yeah, if you forgot to make sacrifices... Artemis might kill you, but if you really wanted to guarantee yourself a painful death, invade her personal space. For example, this boy named Cypriotes, who was just wandering along and wound up in the wrong place at the wrong time, and just happened to spot Artemis bathing. When he saw the naked goddess, he yelped in surprise. But he was just a kid. He didn't ask to marry her. He just fell to his knees and begged for mercy. Please, lady, he whimpered. I didn't mean it. Don't turn me into a deer and have me ripped apart by dogs. Artemis felt bad. She was the protector of young children, after all. Well, Cypriotes, she said, here's the problem. No man can gaze upon me naked and live. But, but, since you're male, I do have to kill you. Unless, of course, you weren't male. Cypriotes blinked. You mean... Wait, what? Death or a gender change? Your choice. It wasn't much of a choice. Cypriotes did not want to die. So, Shazam. Artemis turned him into a her, and the girl Cypriotes lived happily ever after with the hunters of Artemis. Is that weird enough for you? Oh, but it gets weirder. Another time, one of Artemis's followers, a girl named Callisto, caught the eye of Zeus. Now, Artemis's followers were supposed to be off-limits, but this is Zeus we're talking about. Also, Callisto was a real knockout. She was Artemis's favorite follower at the time. They were both so much alike, both swift and strong and very uninterested in dating. They became best friends as soon as Callisto joined the hunt. Like all followers of Artemis, Callisto had sworn to stay a maiden forever. But Zeus had other ideas. One day he looked down from Olympus and saw Callisto alone in a clearing, relaxing and enjoying the sunshine. This is my chance, he told himself. I just have to figure out a way to get close to her so that she doesn't run off. That girl is fast. Hmm. 
Zeus changed form so he looked exactly like Artemis. I know, a total creep move, right? But, like I said, the guy had no shame when it came to catching women. He would even pretend to be his own daughter. Fake Artemis came sauntering into the clearing. Hey, Callisto, what you doing? My lady, Callisto leapt to her feet. I was just resting. Mind if I join you? asked fake Artemis. Callisto noticed something strange about the look in the goddess's eyes, but she said, Um, sure, I guess. Fake Artemis came closer. She took Callisto's hand. You're very beautiful, you know. Fake Artemis kissed her. And I'm not talking about a friendly peck on the cheek. Callisto struggled and tried to pull back, but Zeus held her tight, and he was stronger. My lady, Callisto shrieked, what are you doing? Zeus changed into his true self, and Callisto shrieked even louder. Now, now, the sky god said. Artemis doesn't need to know, my dear. It'll be our little secret. So, Zeus once again proved himself to be a godly slimeball. And yeah, sure, he might hear me and get mad. But it won't be the first time I've taken a chance with Mr. Thunder. But hey, I calls him like I sees him. If the real Artemis had been within earshot, she would have come running to help Callisto. Unfortunately, Callisto was all by herself. Zeus had gotten his way. Afterward, Callisto was too ashamed to say anything. She was afraid that it was somehow her fault. By the way, if you're ever attacked by a creep, it's never your fault. Tell someone. Callisto kept her secret for as long as she could. She tried to pretend like nothing had happened. But sadly, she was pregnant. And she couldn't hide that forever. A few months later, after a hot day chasing down monsters... Artemis and the gang wanted to go swimming. They all jumped in the lake, except for Callisto. What's wrong? Artemis called. Come on, don't you want to go swimming? Callisto blushed. She put her hand on her belly, which was starting to swell. She didn't dare take off her clothes, or Artemis would notice. Artemis sensed the problem anyway. Suddenly she realized why Callisto had been so distant and sad recently. The goddess's heart sank. You, Callisto? She asked. Out of all my followers, you broke your vow? I, I didn't mean to, Callisto said. A tear rolled down her cheek. Who was it? Artemis demanded. A handsome warrior? A smooth-talking hero? My brother Apollo? Oh, no. Please, don't, don't tell me that it was him. It, it was you, Callisto wailed. Artemis stared at her. Run that by me one more time. Callisto told the story of how Zeus had appeared to her in Artemis's form. The goddess burned with rage. She wanted to throttle her father, but there was only so much you can do when your dad is the king of the universe. She looked at Callisto and shook her head in pity. You were my favorite, Artemis said. If you had come to me immediately, I could have helped you. I would have found you a rich, handsome husband and let you settle into a new life in the city of your choice. I would have allowed you to retire from the hunt with honor. You could have gone in peace. 
Zeus's assault was not your fault. Callisto sobbed. But I didn't want to lose you. I wanted to stay. Artemis felt like her heart was breaking, but she couldn't show it. She had rules about her followers. She just couldn't allow those rules to be broken. Not even by her best friend. Callisto. The only thing you did wrong was keeping the secret from me. That was your crime. You dishonored me, and you dishonored your sisters of the hunt by not being honest. You defiled our company of maidens when you are not a maiden yourself. And that I can't forgive. But, but Artemis... No more talk, Artemis pointed at Callisto, and the young lady began to change. She grew in size. Her limbs became shorter and thicker. Her clothes, which had helped her hide her condition, became a suffocating thick coat of brown fur. Callisto turned into a brown bear. When she tried to talk, she could only roar. Go on now, Artemis said, trying not to cry. Your new shape will remind you that you can never be in my sight. If I see you, I'm gonna have to kill you. Leave! Callisto bounded away through the woods. She gave birth to a human son named Arcus, who returned to the world of mortals and eventually became a king. But soon after, poor Callisto was killed by hunters. Zeus felt some remorse. He turned Callisto into a constellation. Ursa Major, or the Big Bear, as if that could make up for ruining her life. Kind of strange. After the incident with Callisto, Artemis's next best friend and follower was a guy. Maybe she figured he couldn't hurt her any worse than Callisto had. Or maybe she was trying to prove to herself that she would never go back on her own vow of maidenhood, even if it was with the most interesting guy that she could find. His name was Orion. And he had an incredibly shady past. For one thing, he was a giant. But he was short for a giant. Maybe seven feet tall. And he looked humanoid enough that he could almost pass for a mortal. For a long time, he worked for the King of Chios as the royal hunter. Then Orion got in a little trouble with the king's daughter. When the king found out, he had Orion blinded with a searing hot iron. Then he kicked him out of the kingdom. Orion stumbled around Greece until he happened to run into the blacksmith god Hephaestus. Orion told him his tragic story. The giant sounded genuinely sorry, so Hephaestus, who knew a lot about tragedy and second chances, designed mechanical eyes that allowed Orion to see again. Orion retired to Delos, where he had met Artemis. She thought he was a nice enough guy. He didn't try to hide his past crimes. He also had incredible hunting skills. His years of blindness had sharpened his other senses, and his mechanical eyes gave him all sorts of cool night vision targeting abilities. He became the first male ever to join the Hunters of Artemis. I'm not sure how the other followers felt about that. The Hunters had never been co-ed before. But Orion didn't try anything funny. He kept his distance from the girls when they were bathing, he helped out with the chores just like everybody else. Pretty soon, he became fast friends with Artemis. The only problem was, Orion was a little too good at hunting. One day he was out by himself, and he got carried away. He shot 16 bears, 12 lions, and several monsters that he couldn't even name. 
Then he started shooting harmless stuff. Deers, rabbits, squirrels, birds, wombats. Maybe he just snapped. Maybe Apollo drove him crazy because Apollo didn't like how much time this dude was spending with his sister. At any rate, Orion soon had a mound of dead wombat carcasses piled up around him. He painted his face with squirrel blood and put leaves in his hair and started screaming, I will kill all the animals in the world! All of them! Die, stupid fairy critters! This didn't really fit in with the hunter's nature-friendly mission statement. It also didn't please Gaia the Earth Mother. Orion was screaming so loudly that he got her attention, even while she was sleeping. And Gaia muttered to herself, You want to kill something, punk? Try this. Just behind Orion, a massive scorpion emerged from a fissure in the ground. The giant turned and got a poisonous stinger right to the chest. So that was the end of Orion. Artemis went searching for him, and when she found his cold, lifeless body, surrounded, for some bizarre reason, by thousands of dead furry critters, her heart was once again broken. This time, Artemis made a constellation. She put Orion in the sky with a scorpion nearby, so his story would live forever. I guess the moral is, don't try to massacre bunnies, squirrels, and wombats. They didn't do anything to you. And you might find that they have a very, very big scorpion friend. <laughs>